This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 118 with Shasta Nelson. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 118. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. This episode of the Shameless Mom Academy is brought to you by Aptive. Aptive is an app that brings your workouts right into your earbuds by syncing the motivational guidance of a personal trainer with the perfect playlist to bring you an elevated on-demand audio fitness experience. Shasta Nelson is the founder of GirlfriendCircles.com, a women's friendship learning community. Her spirited and soulful voice for strong female relationships can be found in her books, Friendtimacy, How to Deepen Friendships for Lifelong Health and Happiness, and Friendships Don't Just Happen, The Guide to Creating a Meaningful Circle of Girlfriends. Shasta also writes at shastasfriendshipblog.com and in the Huffington Post. She speaks across the country and is a friendship expert in the media, appearing on such shows as The Katie Couric Show and The Today Show. I met Shasta about four years ago when we were both speaking at the same event. We were speaking at an event called Urban Campfire here in Seattle, and I was really excited to hear Shasta's talk because she was going to be talking about friendships. And at the time, Vinny was just a little baby, and I felt that my commitment to friendships was lacking a little because I just wasn't able to get out of the house, and I hadn't had time to connect with a lot of the people who meant so much to me. So I was super, super intrigued by everything she had to say. And what I loved about her talk that day, and I've actually seen her talk a few times now, and this always happens, she infuses her commitment to friendships and relationships with so much research, and it is just fascinating. So you guys are in for a treat today because she's going to talk about the importance of friendship, but she's going to talk about it from a standpoint of research and stories that are probably going to be a little bit mind-blowing to you because there was definitely some things in here that really opened my eyes to the importance of empowering ourselves with positive relationships in our lives. So Shasta is going to be talking about the three S's of a satisfying friendship. She's going to share why it is essential that we feel loved, known, and supportive. She's going to talk about the loneliness epidemic that doctors are saying is the biggest health epidemic of our time. She's going to talk about how relationships with our spouse are very different than our relationships with girlfriends and why we need to have both of them, not just one or the other. She's going to talk about the power of modeling friendship to children and especially the significance of this for boys, because the power of modeling friendship to boys is something that has been lacking 
up to this point and changing that and helping boys look at friendship in a little bit of a different life light than we have historically can be really life altering for young men. She's also going to share the three requirements that must be present for a healthy friendship. So there's a lot of information here. You're probably going to want to listen to this episode more than one time, maybe take some notes, and then also make sure that you check out the resources over at the show notes. So if you go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 118, and you'll be able to connect to some of the great resources that Shasta mentions in this episode. (laughs) And make sure you check out the resources mentioned in the show notes. So throughout the episode, Shasta shares a couple different resources with us. And make sure you go over to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 118, and anything mentioned in this episode will be over there so you can get links to everything because she does give us some really helpful resources. And she leaves us with a frentimacy quiz. So you can go take the frentimacy quiz to see how well you're doing with these three requirements for a healthy friendship already and see if you're on par or if you have some work that you need to do. So go over to shamelessmom.com, episode 118, to connect a little bit more beyond this episode. Let's go ahead and dive in with Shasta Nelson. Shasta Nelson, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Yay, thank you. I'm excited to be here. This is fun because our own little tiny friendship circle of each other, and I know you're going to talk more about friendship circles later, but we first met speaking at the same event, which feels like a lifetime ago. It was like four years ago, I think, maybe more. And We've gotten to see each other here and there at events. We got to see each other at TED Women in California two years ago now, which was amazing. And now I just Facebook stalk you to see all of the great things that you're doing. (laughs) Likewise. That's the cool thing about meeting each other, random places. And Facebook can help us get to know people better. Yes. And maybe you can address this at some point. (laughs) It's funny how Facebook makes you feel like you have, it gives you this false sense of like deep connection sometimes. And then you're like, wait, I've only actually met you in person like a couple times. So how deep is that connection really? Which is a really interesting thing in yeah. this day and age. Yeah. I get a ton of questions every time I speak. Whenever I do a Q&A, the technology always comes up because yeah, sometimes it helps you feel closer and other times you end up realizing like, wow, I'm lonely because I know a lot of people, but I actually don't have the few close people that go deeper. And yeah, it can be be confusing. Yeah. Okay. We'll (laughs) have to dive into that a little bit later. So before we dive into all things friendship, tell us just a little more about yourself personally and professionally, a little bit beyond your bio. Yeah. Well, professionally, I used to be a pastor and realized that what I loved about that was the community building aspect of it, but I wasn't as excited anymore about like the teaching of the dogma or everyone needing to believe the same thing. But I love the idea of people coming together every week and wanting to make the world a better place and be there for each other. And so, yeah, I've just kind of been about trying to do that in the world now in different ways. And so whether that's with my retreats or teaching, I run a community girlfriend circles, which is really, I've shifted it to be more of a community where we come together and we learn and we grow and we interact together. And so that's been really fun. And personally, I married to an amazing man. We've been married for 12 years now and we live in San Francisco and he has three adult children and two of the three live here. And unknown fact, or not all that surprising fact, I should say, I actually became a grandma. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And this was like recent, right? Because I think I saw this on Facebook. Oh, and this tiny little baby. (laughs) How has that been? How's grandmotherhood? Oh, it's so fun. It's so fun. And you know, it's just such a special era that I get to do this at this age. And I got this little boy, he's like two months old. And I'm like, you better like me because I'm going to be in your life a long time. You're going to be like like the only 60 year old who still has a living grandparent. So like you and I are in this together. (laughs) I love it. I love it. It will be like such a blessing for him to have a younger grandparent because like Uh, my child has older grandparents. Well, he only has two left alive, but my husband's parents were like in their mid eighties when Vinny was born and now neither of them are alive. And so it's a challenge when you have older parents. So how exciting for this situation. Yeah, I'm excited. So it's just so fun to have babies and and babies that, you know, yeah, I know a lot of the women listening, the babies that are, (laughs) you have to actually wake up with them during the night. So that's a downside, but I'm like, I get a baby. It's all the fun stuff. (laughs) It is. Yeah. That's the great thing about grandparenting. I keep thinking about that. I'm like, oh, like when I do this next time, it'll be as a grandparent. And I just get to do the fun parts. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. You're investing and in creating something very fun down the road. So yes. Yes. So you've been a friendship expert for quite a while now. And yeah. tell us a little bit about how you came into this work. And I love that you were formerly a pastor because when I hear you speak, I hear so much of that in you. Mm. And so I'm curious if your past 
work as a pastor fueled your work into friendships and relationships. Definitely. And of course, so interesting as an entrepreneur, because at the time when I started Girlfriend Circles and started Friendship, it felt like I was leaving behind a big career and it was a huge decision. And it felt like this massive, massive, like entirely different thing. And it only like a year or two later, I was able to look back and be like, I'm doing almost the exact same thing just with like different, like I'm still, I was able to see the thread of saying, wow, what I was really excited about as a pastor was the personal growth element and the relational community element. And I'm still about those two things. And so, but it was really recognizing that very few of us are going to churches as much anymore and that I really believe in relationship. I really, I, and it's not just a belief. I mean, the science backs it up. We can go down a whole thing on health and neuroscience and our happiness about how significant our relationships are to us. And it's way exciting for me to, from that space, say, okay, so if somebody's not regularly attending a community like this, and even if the people are, that's not guaranteeing them these relationships anymore. Right. And so how do we actually go about making friends, you know, when we don't have something like that, really creating that? And so, yeah, it definitely informed me. And I've been all about friendship stuff for almost a decade now, which sounds crazy, but just working with amazing women and realizing that so many of them kept saying like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I just had a baby or I just went through a divorce. My friendships are a little up in the air. Or I just moved and I've been here a couple of years, but I haven't really found any, like, it's just, I kept hearing this common theme of like, we know people, but we don't really feel like we have close friends. And so right. what I address. I've had conversations with people about how opposite that is with like a high school or college experience. And I think especially a college experience where you're living with friends, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the intensity of those relationships is like nothing else. And so, and I know that not everyone has that college experience or has that roommate experience, but for me coming out of that, and now it's been almost 20 years, but coming out of that, it was disheartening from there to go from like living with these close friends who were like siblings to then be like, wait, how do I replicate that in adulthood? And mm -hmm. it felt impossible. And it's taken a long time to figure out how to cultivate friendships. And I think that the older you get, the more your attention is divided between so many different things and so many different little, you know, mini tribes in your life that finding those deep connections gets all the more challenging and seeking out the people who really relate to you as you currently have evolved is also extremely challenging. Yes. Yeah. And people used to say, I mean, I get all the time that friendship felt automatic when we were young and I've had to teach and remind all of us that what friendship wasn't automatic, what was automatic were the behaviors. Some, and we'll talk about that in this call today with the three actions that make up friendship. Many of those were automatic. For example, our consistency, the time together was automatic. Like you couldn't, okay. you had to show up and go to school with each other. You couldn't, right. you didn't have to call and schedule. Like, do you want to see each other at school? You know, like you're just both had to be there and right. you had to have a roommate. And so, I mean, in many ways, we were forced into putting in the time together that nowadays, unless we go work somewhere where that's in place, and that's why most of us still make most of our friends at work because that's the one place where consistency is built in. But otherwise, yeah, we're left having to kind of create that consistency, which means scheduling and initiating and inviting and planning. And so, yeah, that's so much of what makes a friendship happened much more automatic in those college and in school years for sure. Definitely. So tell us what exactly is a friendship? So a friendship, and I love this question because most of us will just say, well, the people we really like or the people we have a lot in common with or the person who's always there for you or the person whose shoulder you can cry on. It's like a whole bunch of these platitudes that, right. and so a friendship by definition is a relationship between two people that is satisfying, safe, and where they both feel seen. And so those are the three S's is that it has to be satisfying, which means it has to be more positive than negative in a nutshell. It has to have safety, which is built by consistency, which we were just talking about. So the action there that creates safety and trust is time put in together. And so logging in the time, the hours, the building, the commitment, building the regularity, the pattern of our friendship is what makes us start feeling safe that we know how you'll respond. We know what we can expect we feel like safe. And so that safety is developed. And then the third element is where we both feel seen. And so that one is developed by vulnerability, by revealing, by sharing. If you just have the first two, the positivity and the consistency, then that's what we call like a social life, you know? So it's people you have fun with and you see them often. But if you aren't doing the third piece, which is revealing and sharing and being vulnerable, 
and kind of exposing more of yourself, then you won't ever feel seen. And we need that in a friendship. That's interesting. I'm totally thinking about my friendships that have happened in the last few years where I've developed some quick friendships based on parent groups and people that I did not know before I was a parent. And now we feel like bonded for life. But because of some of those qualifiers that you just gave, that it's like we're in our own little club and we have kids that are all the exact same age. And so we definitely understand each other and relate in a different way. And we prioritize those relationships because we're like the only people that we know that are in that exact same place at the exact same time with four-year-olds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so great. And so what's really interesting about what your story just said is that what we know to be true is that if we have some commonalities with people, it can often make those three things maybe easier to do. Like for example, if our kids go to the same school, then the consistency starts happening easier, you know, and if we both feel like we're going through similar things, then that vulnerability piece can happen easier, perhaps. And so we know that all those commonalities can help foster those three things. We also know that we can build deep, meaningful friendships with people who are completely opposite of us. And so the cool thing about by definition of a friendship is it has less to do with how much we like somebody even. It has less, like I meet people, I meet women all the time now that I like, like, I mean, I truly like, oh my word, I would love to be her best friend. But because of lack of us doing those three actions together, we won't be best friends. And so it's not a matter of who, it's not like we picked our best friends because we liked them better than everybody else. We picked them and we may not have even known we picked them at the time, but we developed those friendships because we practiced these three things with each other. And so that's what's cool is that we're not looking and saying, who do I like the best or who do I have the most in common with even like those can help kind of influence the relationship. But at the end of the day, you could have five things in common with somebody. And if you never go see each other, share with each other and have fun together, then you're not going to have a friendship. So those are the three things that will dictate the level of relationship we have with anybody we meet. And that really explains the challenge, I think, that a lot of moms face in maintaining friendships with non-mom friends after becoming a mom, because it's harder to prioritize that time and have that like ongoing commitment to that relationship because your time gets so scarce. And you're looking, especially I think in those early years of motherhood, you're really looking for people who are like suffering alongside you or in that situation and don't relate to that. Like not that you don't value those friendships. And like you said, not that you might not really, really love and enjoy those people, but those aren't the people that you're spending the most time with. And so cultivating those relationships becomes much more challenging. Yes. Yeah. Who we spend time with is uh, we, there's just no way around it. Proximity and that time together is one of the biggest dictators of who we will bond with. You know, it's when you think about who you become friends with at work, it's not like if you had gone out on 20 dates, you would have picked that person. It's that you saw them every day at work and you ended up becoming close to each other, you know? And so there's great studies that show like there's one that they followed all these police cadets through a police academy to say, okay, who bonds with who? Is it based upon whether like those from the South versus those from the Northwest? Do they bond by region? Do they bond by race? Do the dads bond with the other dads, like the family cadets versus the single cadets? Do they bond? And so just tracking all this information from the beginning of when they started to the end. And at the very end, they were like scratching their heads. Like I, we do not see the pattern here of who became friends with who until finally one of the people just did the spreadsheet in alphabetical order to try to make sense of it. And there it was, all the people, they were friends in alphabetical order because in their school, they had to sit in alphabetical order in all their classes. Oh my gosh. And so we become friends. And then the studies play out in college. You know, we have a higher likelihood of being a friend with our roommate. We have like a 50% chance of being friends with our suite mates. We have a 20, like the further out you go, the less chance you are of being friends. And so it's not because we didn't pick our people at college being like, okay, of everyone here, who are the three people that I like the best? We picked them because we were in classes with them, because we saw them. So that familiarity piece and like the consistency piece cannot be underrated. That proximity and the more we see somebody, the more familiar they become, which makes them feel safer, what makes us like them more. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. 
So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, it's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. And when I was in college, I inadvertently, which is just so not my personality type, I saw somehow missed the deadline for applying for housing, which like I've never missed a deadline for anything in my life, but it was meant to be. So I ended up missing this deadline. So I go to sign up for dorm assignments and I got put in overflow housing in this building with 20 other girls. So all the other dorms were like multiple hundreds of women. So I get put in this dorm with 20 other women and the two other floors of the building were floors of nuns. <laughs> so it was 40 nuns and 20 girls. So these 20 girls, there was about 10 of us that became super tight and we were extremely different from each other, but we had this bond because first of all, everyone else at the Gonzaga campus thought that we were all studying to be nuns, which was not the truth. So no one really wanted to be our friend, at least initially. So we were like bonded for life because we were put in this random situation. We were extremely different, but we were, and seven of us ended up living together for all four years. So after two years in the dorm, we ended up moving into a house together and living together two years there. Nice. beyond that. And then I lived with one of them after that. And so we, we always laugh about like for us to become friends, that situation had to happen because we weren't similar. We wouldn't have sought each other out, but we are like bonded for life because of that experience. Exactly. It's so true. And in one of the bonding things is having a unique experience happen. That's another bonder. Yeah. But what you just described is to a T we think we're picking our friends. And this is one of the biggest myths out there and why I believe we have an epidemic of unacknowledged loneliness. We have so much loneliness out there. And most of us refuse to admit it because we think, oh no, people like me. I have friends. I'm good. I'm okay. And we forget to think that actually, do I feel loved, known, and supported? And your point is so well made that you ended up having happen there is you didn't go pick these people. You didn't find them. You developed something. And when, as long as we practice, it goes, always goes back to this. As long as we do these three behaviors, spend time with each other, make sure it has positivity and end up sharing who we are with each other. A friendship can happen. And so it has way more to do with not needing to find the right friend and way more to do with needing to 
foster the right friendship because right. you just proved you could do that with any. Yes. Yeah. Can you say those three behaviors again? Yeah. So make sure that we. Yeah. So the definition is satisfying, safe, and seen. But right. the behaviors that go with each one of those is we need positivity is okay. the satisfying because none of us, when we wake up saying, I wish I had more friends, it's not because we want more whiny, complaining, needy people in our life. <laughs> Because we want the feeling of positivity. So right. at the end of the day, if we're leaving feeling worse about ourselves or our life, or it's kind of like, eh, and kind of like not, we don't feel like leaning in, the friendship is going to be very hard to sustain and very hard to get off the ground and very hard to keep wanting to make time for us. So at the end right. of the day, it has to feel good because these are relationships we're choosing right. and it has to have the consistency. So that's what creates a safety. So positivity is number one, consistency is number two, and number three is vulnerability. Okay. I'm noting all of this. Yeah. So on that um, point, Sarah, I can guarantee anybody that any relationship in your life that's not feeling good or that you wish were closer, it's because at least one of these three things is in lack. So right. you can look at any relationship and say, oh, I get it. It's because that person and I, we have a good time. We have positivity and we share and we go really deep when we're together. That's cool, but we never see each other. So it's the consistency piece that makes this not feel like a meaningful relationship. Or, okay, yeah, I can see that we have fun all the time. We see each other frequently, but we don't ever share ourselves. So it's the vulnerability piece that's missing. And so you can start evaluating your relationships. And it has less than to do with who's, again, it's not because they're bad friends. It's because the two of you together have not developed all three of these requirements. Right. That makes so much sense. And I can see that in like casual acquaintances versus a deeper friendship for sure, yes. where you might have two of those pieces, but not the third. Yes. So I want to go a little bit more into the conversation about loneliness because I've heard you talk about this before and I totally agree with you. And I think it's so significant. And I think it's also really, really pertinent to moms. I think that we moms are like, we're constantly surrounded by people, often our own children, but yet we can feel very lonely and very disconnected. Yes. So can you talk about the loneliness epidemic and then talk about the importance for moms to prioritize friendships? Yes. Some doctors are calling the loneliness right now as the biggest number one public health issue of our time. Oh. The epidemic of unacknowledged, I, I largely unacknowledged, because if I walk into a room or if I market something like to the lonely people, like nobody identifies themselves as that because yeah. we picture loneliness as this stereotype of this recluse, this person who's like isolated, who's not social, who nobody likes. And we have this very crazy picture of some crazy person living out in the woods or something. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is loneliness is a healthy feeling that your body gives you to tell you that you want, you have more capacity to give and receive love in your life. So loneliness is just like hunger or thirst or tiredness. It's your body's way of saying, I need more connection. And there's nothing to feel ashamed of with that. There's nothing that doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you don't have any friends. <laughs> it should be the information that when I feel that feeling, I used to kind of like squash it down and defend myself and be like, oh, that's crazy. I have such great friends. I could call so-and-so if I wanted to. And of course I never had time to, but I knew I could. And so it made me think that I wasn't lonely or tried to convince myself. But the truth of the matter is, if you feel that feeling, the first question should be, that's interesting. Okay. So I need more connection in my life. What, where can I get that? What kind of connection is it? And I teach the five different circles of friends, which kind of helps us start identifying that we can have some friends in one circle and that that's not where our loneliness is coming from. And then kind of going through the circles and saying, okay, it's this circle that I feel loneliness in. It's this type of experience that I'm longing for. And so to moms, I think about one of my best friends had all five of her circles filled and we don't need to go into all five here, but just really quickly on the far left is the most casual of relationships. And on the far right is the deepest of relationships. And she was with our Tuesday night girls group. And she was the first one at the time to have a baby in that group. And she felt kind of like she wanted to keep coming to Tuesday night girls group, but she also felt kind of guilty. And I said, sweetheart, you need to make mom friends. It's okay. Like we will always love you and know you and you can keep coming on Tuesday nights. And to her credit, bless that woman. Like her baby was three, four weeks old. And she started coming back on Tuesday nights and saying, wow. it's time for my husband and my daughter to create their ritual and have their <laughs> Tuesday night time together. And to this day, she is somebody who like daddy and daughter's pizza night is Tuesday night and she's at girls night. And you know, so it's awesome. Yeah. So she did that. And I said, you, we're not going to be enough for you. You're missing circle two friends, which are the specific commonality friends. And you need friends who understand exactly what you're going through and can resonate with you. Go join a mom's group or something. And so she did that. And about a month or two later, I said to her, how's it going? How's it feeling? How are the moms? And she rolled her eyes and she said, oh, 
all they do are talk about their kids. Like, (laughs) you know, and you've all been there and she's just like, oh, they don't even know like who I am apart from being Lily's mom. And they don't even know like that I am this and that. And then my previous life had this. And and I said, sweetheart, you can't judge circle two friends for not acting like circle five friends. Oh my gosh. Judge circle five friends for not acting like circle two friends. Those circle two friends, those mom friends serve an amazing purpose that we, your best friends can't serve in the same way. And flip side, we serve something they can't serve. And you don't need to pick one or the other. You need both. And they both serve something different. And you don't need them to know everything else about your life. That's what we're here for. And that's unrealistic expectation to go in. What you needed wasn't a best friend. What you needed was somebody who understood what it's like to be a mom. So that's what you've got. And you've got to love that. And over time, some of those people might end up becoming those relationships. But I think we so often want everything in one person and it's really unrealistic. Right, right. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought up the five circles because I was looking yesterday at them and I was kind of blown away by the five circles. So for those of you listening, you, if you go to the show notes at shamelessmom.com, click on episode 118 and we'll have links to all of Shasta's information. But the circles are all, I believe it was on your website at shastanelson.com. Is that correct? Yes. So there's five circles and it's kind of like a continuum. So it's like more casual relationships on one end of the continuum. Moving up to like the far right circle is those very intimate relationships. Am I saying that correctly? Yes, yes, you are. And so in my first book, Friendships Don't Just Happen, that's about how to make friends. And that's where I teach the five different circles and knowing, being able to identify which of the circles we need at any given time is a skill that all of us need to be able to do probably every six to 12 months in our lives. And so that's about identifying and evaluating our relationships and fostering the beginnings of them. And then my second book is The Triangle, The Frentimacy, The Three Requirements that we talked about positivity, consistency, and vulnerability. And that's about how to deepen our friendships and how to go through disappointments with our friends, frustrations, unmet expectations, and kind of like go through making the more intimacy there. And they line up really quickly just so that on the five, on the far right, you get there by doing more of those three actions. And so the more consistent, the more vulnerable, and the more positive you have developed over time, those are the relationships that move over to the far right. So. Okay. Well, and seeing that continuum and seeing the five circles laid out like that was so eye-opening because I think it's easy to, you know, I feel very surrounded by people. I have multiple communities that I'm a part of and multiple communities that I lead. And so I feel very connected, but there's also times when I don't have connection with like probably like my fifth circle as much as I need to, where I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, I feel like the people who know me the best, like those are the people I need more of sometimes. And sometimes because those friendships are the ones I've had for the longest, they're the ones that here and there we just don't get around to getting together. And then when we do, we're like, oh my gosh, like we've let too much time pass. We can't do that anymore. So it was interesting to see it laid out in this diagram where you can really see the different pieces and you can really visually see like, oh, this is where I'm really shining and flourishing. And then here's where I'm like suffering, lacking, and maybe feeling some of that loneliness in certain Mm -hmm. circles. Absolutely. So so helpful and so valuable to see that. Yeah. And I was in a similar situation as you and being able to see those five circles helped me realize that the people that I need to prioritize are the people on the far right circle. So my number one priority has to be to my circle five friends. So those three or four people. So when life is busy and I'm on book tour, when life is kind of squeezed out because I'm helping, you know, as a new grandma or, you know, whatever the, there's spaces in our life where we aren't as available to everybody. And the people that we should be prioritizing staying in touch with are the circle five friends. I just wanted to pop in for a minute and share a little bit of information on our sponsor this week. So this week's sponsor is Aptive. Aptive is an app that brings your workout right into your earbuds where you get to actually be guided by a personal trainer through your workout with awesome background music. So I've been using Aptive for my last minute run training for the seven and a half mile race that I have given myself all of five weeks to prepare for. But Aptive also has tons of other workouts in the app where the trainers guide you through the workouts, anything from running to cycling, to the elliptical, to the treadmill, to strength training exercises. There's seven minute workouts you can do at home with body weight. There's yoga workouts, there's walking, and there's even meditation. I'm loving this app. There's so many choices and there's literally hundreds of workouts and I'm actually on their email list where I'm getting new workouts updated and sent to me on a regular basis. In the background of the workouts is music and then you have a trainer guiding you through the workout and telling you what to do. It's a really fun way to work out and it's really great to have some coaching 
right there to tell you what to do, to tell you when to do it, and to really help you get the results that you're looking for. Because we all get a little bored just working out to our own music and listening to ourselves think, right? So this really revolutionizes your inner ear experience while you're working out. I'm loving using the app myself, and I'm so excited that Aptive has agreed to give all of you a free trial month. So if you go to Aptive.com, that's A-A-P-T-I-V, and use the code SMA30. So again, you're going to go to Aptive, A-A-P-T-I-V.com, and then use the code SMA30 to sign up for your free month of workouts. And now back to our show. And that's a perfect segue to my next question. And can you tell us what friendship, and I get we could even make this specific to the Circle 5 friends, what does that offer women that is different than the needs that are met by our and filled by our children and our spouses? Because I think it's easy to think that that's enough because we're so tired at the end of the day. You're like, I don't have time. And this happens to me where you're like, oh man, I said I would go out for girls night, but I honestly would rather lay on the couch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. And we have to remember too, that the less frequent we are with going out with our friends, the less meaningful it will be. So if we only schedule one night a month to go out with our girlfriends, yeah, we'll be like, oh, it would have been better just to stay home and be with my husband or something like that. It's actually the more time we put into a relationship, the safer it feels, the more rewarding it feels, the more vulnerable it feels. And so therefore it's actually more meaningful. So it's one of those things like fitness or exercise that if you only do once a month, you're not going to see amazing results. You're not, you're just going to be sore the next day. It's not going to be like, wow, that just was amazing. (laughs) So (laughs) it's really one of those things that to your circle five friends, the more consistent we are when we actually feel like they know our day-to-day life, they know what I'm doing this weekend. They know why I'm going on this trip. Like that's what makes us actually start feeling more known. And so, yeah, those, and to your question about how this is different than our spouses and our kids is that this is one of the amazing things that we're just starting to really study. And it's been fun to watch the research start coming out on this. But what we're starting to see more and more is that our spouses and our children, while they bring higher highs to us, like, I mean, we might just feel way, I mean, obviously we just like that moment when our kid does that thing, when our husband says he loves us, you know, those are like high, high moments that a friend may not be able to like quote compete with. But they also, those relationships with our children and spouses also have much lower lows. And so we're negotiating chores with them. We're punishing, we're navigating finances. We're, you know, so there's all this yucky stuff that also goes with it. And our friendships may not have as high of highs, but it doesn't have as low of lows either. And so they typically end up serving us in a lot more of a healthy, lower the stress and support our lives better. And so the research is showing, like there's one study done with all these women who had breast cancer and they tracked all of them to say, okay, so which ones are the ones who survived this diagnosis? Is it those who have the money? Is it those who go organic? Is it those who stop smoking? Is it those who are married? Is it those who have kids? And so they were tracking all the factors on the number one factor, more than whether they were married or had kids was whether they had a supportive circle of friends. That was the number one factor for those who survived that diagnosis and those who didn't. And we can see that play out because from a truly true health perspective. And I just have to go off on this tangent here for a minute, because I think so often we don't understand what it's doing in our body. And there's one study that shows they put women into an MRI machine and take a picture of their brain and are kind of like little shocks, little kind of electric shocks, just to kind of produce mild stress. And then they take a picture of her brain again, and it shows, you know, three-ish red clusters in the brain showing where the cortisol, where the stress chemical is lighting up in the brain center. And then they do the exact same test with her still receiving shocks, except this time she's holding the hand of a friend. And this time only about a third of the red lights up in the brain. Wow. And so what we can know from that is that having a friend doesn't stop you from getting shocked. You still have all the stress in your life. It doesn't take away any of the circumstantial stress, but it actually buffers your body from absorbing the damaging impact of the stress. Less chemical, less stress actually gets into your body and goes through your bloodstream and into your brain. So you're actually protected like if anybody has a stressful life, one of the number one things you can do is make sure you feel supported because that's one of the things that actually protects you from feeling stress or from the impact of stress. Oh, that is fascinating. And I love the point you made about the more consistent satisfaction from friendships than potentially your partner or your children. <laughs> 
That's so true. And I think that's where those relationships can sometimes seem easier. Friendship relationships can seem easier because you're right, those home relationships, the highs are high and the lows are low. Yes. <laughs> and you're bouncing between the two. And sometimes, like you said, there's a lot of negotiation. I mean, not that there's not sometimes negotiation in friendships and re- those relationships as well, but that consistent satisfaction is like, it's a constant high. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the more often we do it, the more of a high it is. And so definitely it's, and you know, to be fair, when you look at like positivity, consistency, and vulnerability, those are the same requirements for any healthy relationship. I go into corporations and teams and teach this from a team dynamic. But if we're looking at like your kids, you're consistent with them you try to have as much positivity you can. That's not a relationship that's appropriate for vulnerability, you know? So yes, it's a fabulous relationship and we need different, we need all healthy relationships, but friendship is a relationship that you're not going to get those three things from just coworkers or your kids, hopefully with your spouse. And even if your spouse is one of your best friends, and I happen to be in one of those situations, it has to be a choice I make to say, it's not that I don't want to hang out with him. I have to make the choice that says, I know at a deep level, that having other relationships in my life is going to add to my life, is going to be able to give me different things, is going to be able to speak and connect with me in a different way. And I'm going to have to just step out of this relationship that feeds me in order to make sure that I have other relationships that feed me. And so, yeah, it's crucial because it does something different. The chemistry is different. Talk about modeling friendship and the significance of modeling friendships to our kids and how can we go about that? What are suggestions around that? So a couple of years ago, I used to do a workshop and in that workshop, I would have the grown women, 40s, whatever age they were, grown women, and I would ask them to journal what memories they have of their moms and their mom's friendships. And so it's a great question for all of us to think and just be like, what are the things that pop into my head about my mom and her friendships? Totally. I'm thinking about it right now. <laughs> yeah. And so like, you know, did she go away for girls weekends? Do I remember her going out for girls nights? Who were her friends? What do I remember seeing them do together? Like what images come to mind? And, and I did not do like scientific research on this at the time, but then we would like debrief it. And I will say antidotally that probably about 60, 70% of the women had a really hard time naming memories of their moms and friendships. And they were like, I'm sure she had friends. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, but, but they couldn't actually like tell us any memories of them. And at first I just thought, man, we had a whole bunch of moms who had horrible friendships. But then the more I kept kind of looking at it, I realized wow, a lot of these moms, I bet, did their friendships while the kids were at school and didn't even notice. And they probably were doing it thinking they were helping their kids by not taking away time from their children. And what they missed out on was actually modeling to their children the opportunity of how important friendships are. And of the 30, 40% who actually were like, oh man, my mom had slumber parties. My mom, like, I remember one girl was like, I remember my mom used to kick all of us out of the house one weekend every May, all my brothers and sisters was my dad. And she was like, it's my weekend for a slumber party. She would invite all her friends over and have a slumber party. And she goes, you know what? To this day, I do the same thing. And I just thought it was almost across the board. The women who had friendship modeled to them were the ones who were like going on girls trips and like had no problem doing that. And the women, you know, it was not totally, but pretty similar. We could group based upon modeling. And so I just think it's an interesting inquiry to say, what are the friendships you want your kids to have? You know, what do you want them to, do you want them to feel guilty for going on a girl's night or a boy's night, you know? And so let's make sure they see it. Let's make sure we're talking about it. Let's make sure we're saying, just like you saw your friend at school today, I went and saw, I went out and had coffee with my friend today. And like, let's tell them, let's talk about our friendships. Let's make sure they know we're doing it and that it's a high priority. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extent research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I 
I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. That's really interesting. And so I was raised by a single mom and she definitely prioritized friendships and which I've never thought about this before. But as soon as you started talking about it, I was like thinking I could remember the names of many of her friends. Mm. And I remember she often on the weekend, we would have a babysitter and she would be either like a friend would meet at our house and they would go out together or she'd be telling us that she was going to meet so-and-so for dinner or whatever. But that was like very high priority thing for her. So that seemed normal for her to have friendships. But I would imagine if she had remained married to my dad, that that would have looked really different because it wouldn't have probably been as high priority. And I noticed with my husband and I that we have gotten in the habit, and I've just started breaking this recently, and I'm sure you would advise me to break this habit. We got in the habit because Vinny has such a hard time separating with babysitters. And it was like these dramatic events to have babysitters come over. So we would get in the habit of saying like, well, mommy and daddy have to go to a meeting or even when I had to like go to work at night to the gym for an event, I would say, I have to go to a meeting at the gym I and mean, you're going to stay home with daddy. And he would like, Vinny would lose his mind. And so this went on for so long, like until just recently, this was an issue. So I just kind of put everything into this basket of like, one or the other or both of us is going to a meeting because it just felt easy to label it all the same thing. Mm. And I've been thinking in the last couple of months that that doesn't model to him that like, actually, no, mommy and daddy are going to a movie and to dinner. And like, yeah. and you yeah. need to know that. Yeah. Um, or the same thing when I meet up with a girlfriend or a group of girlfriends, I often just say I have to go to a meeting and I've been starting to frame that a little bit differently because I totally agree that he needs to know that like, actually I do these things and they're not meetings. They're actually way more fun. And that's yeah. okay. But that does go to show in our culture that we think certain things are just justified and other things aren't. We think certain things right. are important and other things aren't, you know? So it's, we do like, we value a meeting. It sounds important. It's right. Sounds, you know, this kind of thing. And yeah, I would say that actually going out with friends is probably more important than most meetings most of us totally. are ever in. And at totally. the end of the, you know, they always say at the end of you're on your deathbed, you're not going to say, I wish I went to more meetings, but you might say, I wish I had made more time for friends. So yeah. So in some respects, it would be a beautiful thing to say, actually saying that I'm going out with friends is higher value and actually mm. is more important to state and to model for sure. Yeah. Well, and now that he's four and a half, so like he's starting to understand friendships and relationships and he's starting to have his own play dates and time with friends. So I think that that's something yes. that's a lot more yeah. tangible to him yeah. and relatable yeah. to him. And can I just jump in and say something on those who are mothering boys? I just have to say this. The research is showing that boys are speaking of friendship terms with the same way as girls and doing friendship very similar up until the age around nine to 11. And that tends to be where we start kind of saying where it's not cool to be like a girl. And this is where Mm. um, looking down on girls and treating them differently has affected boys in a really traumatic way too, because then the boys start kind of saying, oh, like being vulnerable is not good. Like, oh, telling him I love him is not good. Like, oh, and so they'd start joking. They start kind of doing other things and feeling like, oh, we're not supposed to just sit and talk. We're supposed to do sports. And so it's really interesting to watch how boys get lonelier and lonelier and lonelier. The suicide rate among 
teen boys so high and the rest of their life. And I am a big, big proponent of men's friendships. And I think we have told, and I don't want to get off on a whole tangent here, but one of my theories around men's friendships and is that we have told them that the only place that's acceptable for them to experience what I call intimacy is in a romantic relationship. And so most men only have intimacy in their marriage or in their romance, whereas we know that we can have intimacy, meaning I use the word friend intimacy to just make sure we're all clear that we're talking about platonic intimacy in friendships. Like we want to go deep. We want to be seen. We want to be known. We want to be supported. We want to feel safe. We want it to be loving. And that's intimacy. And so I think this is why men die younger. This is why I think men remarry faster after death and divorce. They feel like that's the only place they can go get that intimacy. And we have to start modeling as a culture to our men that it is okay. It's acceptable. It's necessary. It's healthy to have deep friendships with other men. And we need to be doing that with our boys and making sure as moms, we're watching that, that it's not just, we don't want to just make friendship a girl issue. We really need to make sure that we're talking about it as a human issue. And that this is not just for our little daughters. This is for our boys and they need close friends. Yes. Thank you for that clarification. I think that's really, really important and really significant. And I totally agree. And I see in some of my relationships with some of my girlfriends, I see where sometimes husbands don't have very many outside relationships outside of their marriage. And I can totally understand because of how important my friendships are to me, I can understand that the lack of that, even though you might not be totally conscious of it, if, you know, I think if you had it and then it's lost, that's one thing. But if you've mm-hmm. maybe never had it as an adult or since becoming a parent or since being married, you maybe don't feel a sense of loss around it. But I would imagine there's a sense of loneliness, even if it's a little bit unconscious. Totally, totally. And I think it's becoming more and more conscious now. I mean, I think, you know, I was giving an interview to Health Magazine and I was at the airport terminal at my gate and I was giving. So at the end of my conversation, I sat down and this gentleman kind of walked over toward me and he was like, I am so sorry. I did not mean to be eavesdropping, but he's like, but I was taking notes. (laughs) That's so great. He's like, can you explain to me a little bit more about you meant about consistency, you know, and I was like, man, he goes, that's why I felt so close to the baseball team I was on, you know, as we yes. three things, as we break into this whole conversation about how, yeah, anyway, we don't have to go down this whole road, but I, the need, like when I speak, I have so many men coming up to me saying I'd give anything to do friendship the way quote girls do. Yeah. Like, they want that, but they, we have not told them it's expected. We haven't told them it's okay. We haven't modeled right. it to them and they're less practiced at it than we are now. So it will feel more awkward. It's like going to the gym and having never been to the gym before. You know, when we've, our entire teenage years, we were practicing vulnerability and friendship and the boys stopped doing that. And so just from a matter of pure, you know, getting your 10,000 hours of practice in, that doesn't mean they don't need it. It just means it's going to feel more awkward for them perhaps and take more practice. But humanity, when we're looking at everything in our bodies and brains, it comes down to relationships as being the thing we're wired for, the thing that makes the biggest difference. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm so glad that we had that little diversion in our thank conversation. <laughs> I, think it's so, I think it's so important and I think it's really, really valuable. So thank you. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about relationships that we outgrow. I think that this is probably common among moms, but I think it's, it's also common among just relationships and the evolution of relationships that relationships change over time. And sometimes it can be hard to, I had this experience actually a few years after college where there's people I'd been connected to at earlier times in my life. And I felt like this relationship isn't meaningful to me in the same way. Like we've grown in very different directions and we would like try to get together and make things work. And it just like felt awkward to me. And sometimes I felt like that was one-sided, like maybe the other person still found value there and I didn't really find value. And I'm sure there was times when it was, those roles were reversed. So talk a little bit about like evolving friendship and is it like appropriate to break up with friends at some point or how do we manage all that? Yeah. In a nutshell, we are replacing half our close friends every seven years, according to research. And that's our close friends. So that's interesting. So if you think about who you would say are like the four or five people that you confide in the most right now, chances are high that two or three of those were not the same women you would have named seven years ago. Totally. And so when we start kind of looking at it from that vantage point, we understand that seven years from now, you'll probably be close to two or three people that you aren't now and may not have even met yet. So it kind of reminds us that we need to stay open to constantly having this ebb and flow in our relationships. And that also reminds us that two or three of our friends will go from stage to stage to stage with us. And I talk at length in both books, but my first book with the five circles about what makes the difference between those we want to keep, you know, those who end up going through those stages and those who don't. And it's not just chance. 
And so that's a whole nother thing, but there are some relationships that can survive those changes and what we can do to help protect some of those. And to your point, to recognize that not every friendship needs to last and that's okay. And there's an ebb and a flow there. I use two different terms, drifting, a drift apart or a rift, a drift or a rift. A rift is when something has happened that creates unhappiness or a feeling or kind of like that feeling where we are mad at each other. In those cases, that's a different way to end the relationship, in my opinion, than a relationship where we just simply aren't feeling, we don't have the same consistency anymore or the same positivity or the same vulnerability. And those are just kind of things that we notice the relationship is drifting. And in both cases, there's a lot of questions. It's such a big, big issue. But in a nutshell, I would say for me, my rule of thumb is that the the more relationship I've practiced with you, the longer we've been friends or the deeper it's been, the more we've worked ourselves up that triangle of those three requirements, the more I've invested in the relationship, my rule of thumb is the more I'll do to do anything I can to repair that relationship. And so I'm willing to have the awkward talk if you hurt my feelings. I'm willing to say this isn't working for me anymore. I'm willing to say, okay, I had a baby and some things are going to have to change. Let's talk about it. And I really want this friendship to last. And what do we need to do? And what are your needs? And what are my needs? And I'm willing to do what feels a little awkward and to practice those friendship muscles if the more I've invested. I'm not willing to do that if we just have kind of met, we're casual, we see each other for lunch every couple months, you know, and it's like, you upset me somehow, I'm probably not going to like make a big conversation about it, you know, and right. we just will kind of drift apart. So I think we need to recognize that there's different levels of relationship that we should be practicing showing up to in different ways. And recognizing, I mean, I think it gets better and better when we can actually look at it from the three requirements perspective of consistency and positivity and vulnerability, it gives us a different lens to look through where we can look at this relationship and say, okay, so why isn't this feeling good? And so do I don't need to just walk away because it's not feeling good. I can ask myself why it's not feeling good. Okay. It's because it's not felt positive lately. It just feels like she whines and complains and I feel unhappy. And okay. okay, So are there solutions to this? Like, what can we do to like help bring more positivity to this relationship? What can we do that's fun? What can we do that makes memories together? What can we do to make sure that we both talk about things we're grateful for? And and so you can start kind of helping repair the relationship often with that information, at least give it a chance to repair. And then, and, you know, because one of the reasons we're lonely is because we are walking away from relationships so frequently. And so very few of us have deep, long friendships in our lives because whenever it just doesn't feel good, we just kind of like let it go. And we forget that intimacy is on the other side of some kind of, we understand it in romance. We understand that we feel safer in the relationship once we have fought and kind of like gotten through something or gone through a big mm-hmm. crisis together. But in our friendships, we have a very bad trend of pulling away or walking away or drifting apart or whatever it is, whenever it just doesn't feel fun and good anymore. And that's at loss to us because we are missing out on having the intimacy that comes from going through something awkward. So big conversation there. I hope I kind of answered it a little bit, but (laughs) that was so helpful. And that's such a good point that like when you're in marriage and sometimes it feels like, oh man, I'm stuck in this. Like I have to work through it, but you're right. Like you get through something and you've hit like a new level of intimacy because of going through that experience. And I totally agree that oftentimes we, with friendships, we don't push ourselves to go to that place, especially yeah. if it's going to be uncomfortable or time consuming or vulnerable or. Yeah. And it's almost things. always awkward. I'm always saying, to yeah. people, of course it's awkward. I mean, of course it is. And that doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. It probably means there's something that we really need to learn and practice and step into in that space. And the more right. we do it, you know, I mean, in a romance relationship, of course, we never like to have those early conversations of where are we at and what are you wanting from this relationship? And this isn't working for me, but we will do it. We don't just drift apart from romance. We will have these, we usually will fight several times and have these right. conversations with, well, this isn't meeting my needs, or I feel like you need too much from me, or I feel like I never see you. And we say these things, but with our friendships, we just expect them to happen without us ever having these conversations, which I think is one of the things that's really really limiting our ability to feel really deep and close to people. Right, right. So I haven't had this happen yet, but I'm sure it will happen. And I've heard other moms talk about it. So and I'm sure once Vinny's a little older and more school age and doing more of the play date circuit kind of thing, anticipating this, what do we do when our children have friends and we don't necessarily care to be involved in a <laughs> friendship with the parents, but sometimes maybe the parents want to be in a friendship with us? How do we work with that? And what's your advice on that? Yeah. So my short answer is the rule of every family, I think, should be that 
this is your level five friend, for example, this is one of Vinny's closest, you know, couple of friends or one of your husband's closest couple of friends or one of your couple of friends. The rule is that all of us will be friendly and support the relationships of everybody else in our family. And so, yes, we will go to their birthday parties. Yes, we will show up and we will do what we can to support that friendship. And we don't hold expectations that me and that mom need to be best friends in order for our kids to be best friends, but we will be friendly and supportive and do everything we can to support that friendship. And that goes same for the kids. The kids need to learn how to okay, yeah, so we're going to go play at this person's house. And yep, you're right. She doesn't have kids your age. Yep, they're all boys and you're a girl. Yep. <laughs> and this is mommy's best friend. So we support each other's friendships, you know? So it goes both directions, all directions. Yeah, I love that. that. We all need to say the rule is we don't have to be friends with them, but we will be friendly with them. So that's our job. So we will show up in those moments and we'll say to each other, you know, we'll make choices about when it's really important that we have to be there or not. But we don't have to be friends with them, but we will be friendly with them. We support each other's friendships. That's the rule. I think that's so great. That's great advice for the having the kids of different ages. I remember my mom on very few occasions, but taking us to her friend's house who had kids of different ages and being like, really like either feeling totally intimidated because the kids were older and being like, I'm not cool like them or the opposite of that being like, well, these are just babies. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I mean, that's important life lessons too. And I think we all have to practice recognizing that there's nobody in this world we don't need to be friendly with. And it doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them, but you can play for an afternoon. This is an important friendship to mommy and she and I are best friends. And so, you know, yes, can we figure out a way where they don't have to like spend every week together if they don't want, they don't all like each other, but we're not going to give up our friendship for that. And so we have to really practice figuring out how to do that for sure. But that's the in principle. (laughs) That's great. Tell us about the legacy you're building and how does being shameless play into your legacy? Ooh, good question. Well, yeah, I think that I want people to feel no shame around (laughs) the thing that is most important in their life. I truly believe on every fundamental level that our relationships are things that are just matter the most. Everything else we do in life, whether trying to lose weight or make more money or you know, like have the white picket fence house. Like we are doing that on some subconscious level to feel like we're okay, to feel like we're in good enough in this world, to impress other people, to whatever the case may be. And that's ultimately because we just want to feel loved. And I'm always like, why go through the gymnastics of doing all those things to try to roundabout way feel loved when you can just create a relationship and feel loved, like <laughs> go right. straight to the love we're craving. Right. I really would love to erase the shame that people feel around wanting to be loved. It's a human need. And yeah, I want to create a legacy that not just gives permission, but teaches people to say this matters and we need to start reorienting our lives around the relationships that we know matter rather than just keep trying to fit them in the cracks. Right. That's great. I love that. Where can we find you and where can we find like all this great information and more resources? Well, the biggest thing is girlfriendcircles.com. I'm kind of like jokingly referring to it as the monthly gym membership for better friendships. I love that. (laughs) So great. We teach a class every month in that. Every month we have a different theme. Like this month it's empathy. So we interview an empathy expert and we have a class and then we all pick a goal. Each person's going to pick something that they're going to practice, a courageous practice on empathy and their relationships for the month. So it's kind of like the place where we recognize our relationships or the gymnasium for us to do our personal growth and to really show up differently in this world. So girlfriend circles is like, if you want to work with me, follow me, learn more about friendship, kind of commit to a few hours a month of like holding yourself accountable to building relationships and growing them. Girlfriend circles is the place to go. Otherwise, I mean, I blog and so you can get blogs, my books, friendships don't just happen was the one I referred to the five circles of friends and kind of how to make friends, the value of all five circles. And then my latest book is Friendtimacy, How to Deepen Friendships for Lifelong Health and Happiness. And that one, you know, when we're talking about going through awkward things with our friends, being disappointed, where intimacy actually comes from, how to develop it, that stuff is the same as true for marriage too, but this is from a friendship perspective. So that's a good resource. And yeah. Awesome. Excellent. So I want everyone to go over and check out girlfriendcircles.com as like a jumping off point for the next phase of better friendships. And you can get any links that Shasta mentioned, and I'll make sure I'll include links to the books as well. That will be over at shamelessmom.com and then click on episode 118. So Shasta, thank you so much for joining us today. Before I let you go, we have to do our lightning round. Are you up for that? I'm ready. Okay. (laughs) What is your favorite way to treat yourself? A massage. Oh, so nice. (laughs) Current book you're reading or the last one you read? I just finished The Art of Empathy because we're doing Empathy and Girlfriend Circles this month. Nice, nice. (laughs) What's one morning ritual you can't live without? Oh, so many. Gratitude journal. 
Nice. If you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, to not feel guilt. I mean, unless you've like, in the rare occasions, you've actually done something that you need to repair. No guilt. Right, right. Oh, I love that. Who is your biggest inspiration? Biggest inspiration are all the women out there who are choosing to live life, yeah, other than the way they've been told it's supposed to be or not using shoulds in their vocabulary. Oh, nice. That's great. <laughs> Love that. Shasta, thank you so much for spending time in the Shameless Mom Academy today. And the next time you have another project, another book that you want to talk about, definitely come back. This information has been so, so valuable. I know our listeners would love to hear from you again anytime you can come back. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was so great to be with all of you and blessings on all of you as you continue to mother those amazing children and build the relationships that will sustain you. Oh, thank you. So like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, Shasta did send us a link for taking her frentimacy quiz. So you can go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 118, get a link to that frentimacy quiz to see how you are doing with making the three requirements of a healthy friendship in your friendships and relationships in your life. And then beyond that, if this is your first time listening to the Shameless Mom Academy, know that we release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. And the easiest way for you to get access to our episodes is by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will take you into our iTunes location where we live. And you can click on the little subscribe button and then you'll get new episodes as soon as they're released. So they will just pop up immediately on your podcast app on your phone. So So head over to shamelessmom.com forward slash review to go ahead and subscribe to the Shameless Mom Academy so you never miss an episode. While you're there at shamelessmom.com forward slash review, you can also leave a review. So there's a little button that says write a review. You can leave a review right there. Let us know what you thought of today's episode. Leave feedback for Shasta or for me. I would love to hear from you. I do read all of my reviews and I'm always really touched by all of them. And I love sitting and reading them and taking them in to go ahead and become a subscriber and make sure you never miss an episode of the Shameless Mom Academy. While you're there, you can also leave a review. So when you go into that link, there's also a little button that's blue that says write a review. So you can leave a review there if you would like to leave feedback for Shasta and I on this episode. That is always appreciated. I love your reviews. I always love connecting with you. And reading your reviews is a great way for me to connect and know what you love and what you want more of. So thank you in advance for any kind words that you would like to leave there. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you've learned something. I hope you are ready to put some new energy into your friendships and relationships. And I hope that no matter what you do today, you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 